name is Richard, uh, one of the pastors here. And today, uh, as mentioned before, is a special Sunday for us because uh, this afternoon following service, we get to gather together as a family uh, and as a church vote to install uh, four new pastors in the life of this church. Amen. And so for us, um, what we wanted to do today is, um, as these gentlemen for the last couple months have been going through uh, a cohort with us, we wanted to provide them an opportunity to be an encouragement to you all in the church through the sharing of the preaching ministry uh, this morning. And so uh, today we're going to start off, we've got four gentlemen, uh, our brother James Jessup, amen, our brother Seth Ligenfelter, our brother Mike Davis, Amen. And our brother Tim Simpson. Simpson. Uh, and so before we begin our time, uh, our brother James is going to lead us off. Um, I want to pray for these men um, and just pray for this time. Um, again, though we're having multiple people share in the leading of the word, that doesn't change the reality that us sitting under God's word is always an act of worship. And so what we want to do is not be spectators but participators in the reality of God using different people to bring his message. Amen. So uh, I know sometimes we can be a little bit quiet on Sunday. Uh, let, let's talk back to these brothers, all right? Give them a little encouragement, right? So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and pray. And then, uh, yeah, James will come and lead us in the word. Father, we just lift up these brothers. Uh, we're thankful for the gift that they have been. And, Father, as we look to um, simply recognize the gifts that you are giving this church in more pastors, Father, I pray that these men will be humbled by the opportunity that they get to serve you and your people in this way. Father, it is a gift to serve your people, not a burden. And I'm thankful that these brothers' hearts, Lord, have been shaped and softened and uh, formed in such a way to where they want to give and devote their lives to seeing the members uh, of this church grow in both unity and maturity and to see our surrounding community reached um, and make the name of Jesus great in our neighborhoods. And so, Father, I pray for my brother, my brothers James, Seth, Mike, and Tim. Father, would you speak through them? Would they simply bring and make plain to us your word? And would it be both enriching and edifying to us with the full scope of the ministry of your word through us learning, us being corrected in areas that we need to be corrected, us being trained in righteousness and even rebuked in areas where we've um, sought to do our own will versus your will. Father, would it only, or would all those things simply be a means of you growing us up into our faith, into looking more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lead us, soften all of our hearts to receive your word with gladness, with eagerness, and with delight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you only knew my story. Now, I mean, I wasn't supposed to be up here again, but you know, you know. Um, good morning, Cornerstone. Uh, 
hope and pray everyone's doing well today. I'm not supposed to be up here long, but I grew up in the Southern Black Church, so there's some protocols you got to do ahead of time. I won't do all of them. I'll do the abridged Cliff Notes version. Tim, you know what I'm talking about. You, you know what I mean. Uh, but I do want to make sure I give honor and respect to the pastors of this church, Rich, Mo, Jared, and Gerald. Thank you all for uh, your love, your support. Um, Thank you for trusting me with an opportunity to be up here. I just want to show love to all the, the, the family that I've gained over the last few years here at Cornerstone. The, the texts, the prayers, the encouragements, it's meant so much to me, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And um, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge my best friend, my better half, uh, my beautiful wife, Naomi. And my beautiful daughter, Alicia, they are my uh, biggest cheerleaders. My biggest cheerleaders, uh, through thick and thin. Um, all right, now let's get ready to uh, get into the word. Um, if you want to join me and stand on your feet, we'll be in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. Uh, it is a familiar passage to many. Um, I'll give you a chance to either turn the pages in your Bible or to uh, use your Bible apps to find it. Uh, once you have gotten there, say amen. All right, that sounds like a pretty good number, so I'm going to go ahead and get us going. Uh, and it reads, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, if you'll pray with me, uh, Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity. I'm humbled to stand before your people, but I'm grateful to get a chance to deliver your word. Very simply, Lord, I pray that I may decrease or that you may increase, and that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated. I um, am a teacher by trade. So I'm one who's big on objectives and goals and making sure we have something to focus on. So uh, I'm not one who always gives titles to messages, but if I was to give a title today, it'd be a two-word message. Yes, Abba. Yes, Abba. And the main question that I want us to all leave with is, does our mindset reflect a posture of obedience that brings glory to God? Does our mindset reflect a posture of obedience that brings glory to God? Depending on your background, you might have heard or used the phrase, get your mind right. 
The statement was a warning of sorts telling someone that there is something off about the way they are thinking or speaking or acting, which shows a clear lack of focus, and it would be in their best interest to make adjustments before things get a little too out of hand. For example, when I was a middle school football coach, my 5'10", 190-pound self got into a heated argument with a 6'4", 235-pound NFL linebacker-sized brother from the opposing team who could have folded me up like a cheap tent. But by the grace of God, my assistant coaches grabbed me, intervened, and made sure I got my mind right. And brothers and sisters, while you may not have had a moment that extreme, I'm sure you have all experienced a get-your-mind-right moment at some point in your life. And I stand before you today to declare that many of us in the body of Christ need to get our minds right before the perception that non-believers have of the faith gets a little too out of hand. I propose that we have forgotten what it means to be kings and queens, heirs to the promises of God. It is an invitation to come in and serve as co-laborers of the kingdom of God, not to become architects and masters of our own universe. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, it says to do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should not look to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. In the text, it makes it clear that our mindset should be countercultural, with our focus looking outward, seeking the greater good of others. However, whether consciously or unconsciously, we have adopted the mindset of the dominant culture. We value our ability to network more than our ability to connect with our neighbors. Our faith has become more about what God can do for us than what we can do for God. We value our trinkets more than we treasure our time with the Father. We expect to be served more than we look for opportunities to serve others. We're more concerned with building our own brands than building the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need to get our minds right. And to help us get our minds right, we need to look no further than the model set by Jesus who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. You see, brothers and sisters, because Jesus was one with God, he experienced ultimate intimacy with God. Yet, he was humble enough to understand his positionality to God was that of father to son, requiring him to have a yes, Abba mindset. Now, oftentimes that Jewish word Abba has been remixed or chopped and screwed in English to mean daddy, indicating a level of closeness and intimacy with God similar to that of a healthy parent-to-child relationship. And while it is true that we are invited into an intimate relationship with the Father, Abba actually means that we understand God the Father as the ultimate authority figure who deserves our complete submission. Every time you hear Jesus speaking of doing the work of his Father, he is speaking from a position of one who understands God as Abba. 
So understand that when the time came for God to redeem humanity, Jesus, understanding that he would have to leave his position of power and privilege beside the right hand of the Father, willingly said, yes, Abba. Understand that for a time he would be born a baby relying upon others to care for his needs, and yet and still he said, yes, Abba. Knowing that he would be born into poverty and come from Nazareth, a community where people ask, could anything good come from there? He said, yes, Abba. Understanding that he would learn a trade to support himself and have to wait 30 years to do the ministry that he knows he was called to do, he still said, yes, Abba. Knowing that his audiences would be prostitutes, tax collectors, and others on the margins of society rather than the elites of his day, he said, yes, Abba. Understanding that his closest friends would be a ragtag bunch of nobodies who would eventually desert him at his most vulnerable moment, he still said, yes, Abba. Knowing that he would endure temptation, live a life we could not live, but die a humiliating criminal's death on the cross so that we might become sons and daughters, heirs to the promise, he said, yes, Abba. And because he said, yes, Abba, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So my brothers and sisters, I leave you with this. Understand that Jesus' love for creation and the love that he had for the Father moved him to live and act in a way that brought others into a right relationship with God. The question I asked at the beginning is, what is our mindset? And I leave you with that same question. We must ask ourselves, do we love God enough to submit ourselves, our time, our treasures, our talents, for the betterment of others and for the glory of God? Thank you. Okay, well, I don't know how I'm going to follow that up. Now, that's amazing. It's amazing when you get to... (laughs) It's amazing when you get to proclaim a truth that is not yours, right? Uh, Because then it's not about you. So my my text is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. And it reads like this. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying... Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, Jesus, said to him, Truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God's love for his creation far exceeds our comprehension. You know, that that passage, it always invoked in me an emotion. I mean, you're, you're thinking of Jesus, the Savior, the Son of God, suspended on a cross between two criminals, one rebuking him, one embracing him, and the emotions would swell. And only as I began to grow and get a little bit older and 
realize it's important to understand the context of what exactly is happening here, uh, did I start to pull out a few things? Yes, this is Jesus. This is Jesus who left the throne of eternity to come here on earth and to dwell among his creation, to submit himself to his creation, to submit to the confines and the structures that man created, not what he created. He was born into that. You heard so eloquently the way, the way uh, James just railed through that narrative. He taught He lived among, he did miracles, he healed, he welcomed people into his life to teach them truth, to teach them about the ways that God intended them to live. And oftentimes, they didn't understand. He constantly had to remind them. Some of them even betrayed him, turned away from him. And the very people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, the very Men of God who said that they were about preparing the way for the Lord didn't even get it. They didn't understand who Jesus was. Not only did they not get it, they were refusing it. They were responsible for the very fact that he is up there on this cross, but yet Jesus does what Jesus does. He becomes the one. And in this moment, you see how he becomes the one. You see a criminal who has done everything that brought him to that, rebuking him. And then you see another one who doesn't quite fully understand who Jesus is. I don't believe he does, but he knows enough to know that he needs to open his mouth and he needs to say something. And Jesus receives that and he does it in the only way that Jesus can do it. And he gives them an assurance. And in this moment, we find out some very foundational truths that I encourage you all to to dive into after this moment, because we only got a few minutes, so I can't really dive into it all with you. But as this criminal speaks, he brings up these four foundational truths, that God is in fact worthy of being feared, that justice is not always just. God is approachable, even when we think we are not worthy to approach him. And eternal life is a reality. Jesus' response shuts the door to condemnation. He makes it clear that his purpose is to restore and bring life and not to issue out death. You know, when when I read this and I think of this truth that God's love for his creation far exceeds our comprehension. I think of the fact that, yeah, I'm a father. I have an amazing wife, Jordan. May 23rd will be 14 years of marriage. Yep, yep. And I have two beautiful kids, Caitlin, 10. She's our flower child. She has an amazing imagination. My son, Ellis, he's our passionate child. He's eight. He's passionate in every way. He's he's compassionate just yesterday. Um, Caitlin wasn't feeling too well, so we went out to the store and got a couple things, and I, pin, I pinch every penny that you can imagine, so I, I'm usually not the one who issues out treats, but I'm like, hey, let's treat, let's treat uh, Ellison. So I stopped by Dunkin' Donuts and get him a donut, and before I can even, like, pull in, he said, hey, Dad, let's call Jordan, I mean, let's call Caitlin, let's see what she wants. Like, his heart is just compassionate. 
And 10 years, eight years into being their parent, I love them more than I ever loved them. If it's one thing that I can't stand about technology, this amazing iPhone constantly pops up these video streams where it takes you back and you get to see pictures of yourself where you wish maybe you used to look like that or maybe you wish you didn't look like that. But it constantly brings me back to what they used to be and how they were. And I can't get that time back and my love is going to continue to grow and they'll never fully understand that love. And that is but a drop in the bucket of God's love for us. And here's, here's the amazing thing about that love, that same love that he has for us. He calls us to exude that out. In John 13, 35, Jesus himself is speaking to his disciples and he says, they will know my disciples by the way that they love, the way that they love. And not just love those who have loved them, but love those who have persecuted them. Love, love those who don't have the same mind in them. Love the, the structures and the policies that combat them, that confront them. We are to love even in the midst of that. So I charge you all, I encourage you all, I encourage myself to love as Jesus loves. Amen. morning, family. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, my name is Mike Davis. It's a pleasure to be up here with you all this morning. Um, I am beyond indebted to this church. Um, it was actually John's preaching that I sat under actually at Blueprint back in the day, how I came to know the Lord. And um, he spent years discipling me and a few other guys every single week for three straight years. I like 6 a.m. in the morning and poured into me, and there's so many other faces out here of folks that have um, loved me, walked with me, encouraged me, and I would not be here without that, and I've definitely got to mention my, my parents and my wife, and my kids are here. My wife, Chrissy, I love you, and my kids as well, and so um, this is a gift, and so, so I don't belabor this. Let me um, go ahead, and I will read the text, and then I will pray, and we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn from I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit that is the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing? So then, does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard, just like Abraham, who believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness? I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll uh, jump into it. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you that you are always pursuing your glory and that you invite us into that through worshiping you, through sitting under your word. And, uh, Lord, I thank you for the gift to even proclaim your word this morning. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would make it effective, that you'd exalt Christ, and that you would be glorified and your people built up. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, so I chose this text because it is particularly encouraging uh, to me a little bit because of how I'm wired. Uh, I'd say that in my walk with the Lord, uh, there's been a lot of times, honestly, too many times that 
I would care to admit that I have fallen prey to the same temptation that the Galatians were facing at this point in time. Um, They were starting to believe that God didn't really love them unless they did more than simply put their faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for them. You know, I think that um, that's a temptation we all face at one time or another. We're all tempted to think that our faith isn't enough sometimes. We think that there's more work that we have to do in order for God to love us or in order for us to remain in God's love, in order for us to feel that sense of safety and security. So I don't personally, and I know this is not something Cornerstone advocates for, we don't pressure brothers to get circumcised in order to be in right relationship with God. Um, But (laughs) I would say that that same uh, ethic, that false gospel of good works, um, really commonly referred to as legalism, is something that really can easily creep into our own lives or creep into the lives of those around us. Um, It's just, it's almost something that's natural. So I know that we may not necessarily struggle with the same thing that the Galatians were facing, obviously with their temptation to uh, feel pressured to be circumcised, but I can say that I think it's true that all of us do struggle with something that we think we can do in order for God to love us more. We think that there's something that we can do in order to be secure in God's love. And so what's being said here in Galatians, the point that Paul is trying to get across that God has given him is that there is absolutely nothing, no thing that you can do for God to love you any more than he loves you right now. Once we put our faith in Christ, once we trust in him alone, we're safe, we're good. All striving can come to an absolute halt because Jesus has already done that for us. We can rest and enjoy the good grace of our God. But I think there's also something else here that's true is that um, if you're anything like me, I know that you are tempted to forget. We can be extremely forgetful people. It's a part of our nature. So it's easy for us to lose sight of how our relationship with Jesus began in the first place. We forget the reality that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we were dead, y'all. There was absolutely nothing that we could do. There was no good work we could perform to move God. It was God of his own accord, by his grace, who acted on our behalf to lift us out of our sin into relationship with him, making us alive through his son, Jesus Christ. We did absolutely nothing, no thing we did Nothing, nothing at all. All we did was believe. And we can't forget this, church. It's critical. We cannot forget this reality. It's so, so important. So if you forget all of these specific verses, one thing that I want you to take away from this time is that your relationship status with God is not tied to your good works at all. They're not tied to the good works of Mike Davis. They're not tied to the good works of Richard, not tied to the good works of Mo. not tied to the good works of insert your name here. There's no amount of Bible reading that you can do. 
There's no amount of time you can spend in prayer. There's not enough ministries that you could sign up for and be a part of. And there's not enough money that you could give away to the poor that would change anything. Your relationship status with God is not tied to your good works. And that's the truth. You and I, we have the responsibility and really the privilege as a family to constantly remind one another of that truth. Particularly when we see one another's lives, as we walk with one another, and we can, pick, we can start to see that lie begin to creep in, that there's more work that we have to do, that our faith alone is not enough for us to be, to be in God's love. So I'm going to land the plane by just uh, really just expressing my gratitude for, to this church. Um, I would say that it's been the people and the faces in this church who have walked with me when I fall and pray to the temptation to feel like I have to do more or be more. It's people that I can count on at any given time that have walked closely with me and seen my life that say, hey, Mike, I can tell you're getting exhausted. I can tell you're starting to work a little bit. Hey, man, you need to scale that back and remember what Jesus has done for you because these works are not what keeps you right with God, and they're not going to change anything. It's the grace of our Lord Jesus. And so I just offer this up, this gift that I've received, I'm returning it back to you as a reminder and as a re-gift as we walk together in the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus. Lord, um, let's just remember that your relationship status with God is not tied to your good works. Thank you. Y'all give a hand clap of praise for my brothers, our brothers for serving us. We'll be in uh, Hebrews 7, verse uh, 25. I see uh, Rich. I saw Richard um, start a timer, so I'm going to try to run through it. Uh, verse, uh, verse 25, Hebrews 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore he, speaking of Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always intercedes, lives to intercede for them. In Kendrick Lamar's song, Feel, he describes his emotional struggle with fame and stardom. The refrain in the song, throughout the song is, ain't nobody praying for me. He's describing the frustration of going through things feeling like ain't nobody checking on him. That nobody is thinking of him in the moment. There's one thing to go through something, and there's another thing to go through something believing that nobody cares that there is no human or divine intervention for you. Christians are not exempt from feeling a deep frustration with life and the disappointment you feel when you feel like you're facing life alone. But there is a dynamic truth that gives us assurance when we feel like nobody cares, when we feel like nobody is listening. We can pray when we need help. The scriptures call us to pray without ceasing, to devote ourselves to prayer, to be watchful and prayerful so that we will not give in to temptation. Prayer is a privilege because of our relationship with Jesus. But the strength of our prayer is not found in our ability or consistency in our prayer. 
This is the main reflection in this brief moment I have. It is this, the assurance of our prayer is not found in our prayers to God, but in the truth that God prays for us. In the book of Hebrews, we see that the Old Testament high priests are incapable of providing the intercession that God's people need because of two things. They sin and they die. And that's the same thing when we think about our leadership in the church. Yes, we long for godly, holy leadership in the church, but there's two things that prohibit our full intercession for God's people. We sin and we die. We need a sinless mediator who has defeated sin and death on our behalf in order for us to experience God's assurance. This text teaches us this morning, when you show up in your prayer room, there's somebody already there praying for you. Heaven is always having a conversation about your concerns, your needs, your situation. Within the Godhead, there is a divine human representative who has endured human suffering because of sin, who is tempted just as we are yet without sin who tasted death in order to accomplish our redemption, and now he shares his eternal inheritance with us before the Father. We have intercession for us. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority in his hands, and he forever intercedes before the Father for us. It's Donnie McClurkin, he said it like this, he came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, our debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, we lift his name on high. His name is Jesus. Listen, church, there is no sin, no suffering, no situation can, that can separate you from the love of God. Watch this. Because nothing can separate God the Father from God the Son. There's no sin, no suffering, no situation that can separate you from God's love because nothing can separate God from the Father. He is able to save anybody who comes to him, and he forever intercedes for anyone who comes to him. Church, this teaches us that there is no more sacrifice for sin. All we offer is sacrifices of praise for what he's done for us because God through Jesus, has gone before us and secured our redemption. Our assurance is that God hears us, our Father hears us, because Jesus forever intercedes for us. There was somebody who prayed for you, who had you on their mind, and they took out the time to pray for you. Jesus prayed for you. He had you on his mind. He took the time to pray for you. And I'm so glad he prayed. I'm so glad that he prayed. I'm so glad he prayed for me. He is able to save those who come to him completely since he always lives to intercede for us. Can I get uh, all the candidates and uh, the pastors to come up?
Uh, we really just want to take a moment, uh, church, uh, specifically church family, uh, to pray for these brothers, uh, pray for their families. Um, again, like we said, we get to celebrate as a church family, immediately following service uh, during our members meeting. But uh, yeah, can we just thank God one more time for the word? Yeah. Um, yeah, would you all just stand with us? And then just join us. Uh, would you reach your hands out to these brothers? Uh, Pastor Mel's going to lead us in prayer. God, we are. Yeah, we're astonished by your handiwork in each of these brothers' lives. Father, the work started not when they got on stage, not when they got to Cornerstone, but it started years ago, Lord, when you saved them, when you redeemed them. Lord, I pray that you would always restore the joy of their salvation, Father. That they remind themselves, even as my brother James said, how far they've come. That, Lord, you've given them a testimony, Lord, of your grace and glory in their lives, your love. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that would be the testimony that they would keep. That it's by your grace, by your mighty hand, Lord, that you continue to let them be who they are. Men who walk with you closely, men who love you closely, men who love their families and their wives dearly. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would allow them not to just think about being shepherds, but to be shepherded. By your mighty hand, Lord, by the Father, Lord, by Jesus and your spirit. So, Father, I do pray for these brothers. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to mark them, Lord, just to do your work, to, 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 to love like you, Love, Lord. Mark their hearts, Father. Fill them up with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so they would be the men that, God, you have made them to be. So, Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless all of us, Lord, through their contributions um, to this body, Lord, and bless their wives. Continue to encourage their wives. Continue to allow their wives to, to experience, first and foremost, their love before the church experiences their love. Let them care for their wives, be concerned about a lot of their wives, and, and see their wives. Yeah, Lord, and I pray, Lord, even for their children. I pray, Lord, that those who have children, Lord, that they would be shepherded to know the Lord. They would come to know the Lord if they don't know the Lord. Father, that you would make them, yeah, disciples of Jesus. So, Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your encouragement, Lord. I am full, God, because of your word and their faithfulness. So, Father, thank you. It's in Jesus' almighty name. Amen.